love being part of a community that recognises that what we do here on a Sunday morning is not the most important part of the week. We love that we get to show up in our everyday moments, our everyday environments, our ordinary moments during the week, whether that's at school, at your workplace, uh, maybe at your gym or your club, wherever you happen to be. Whether you're working or looking after kids or looking forward, we fully recognise here that in the, it's in these places, it's in these ordinary moments that when God's kingdom is most tangible, it's most visible. It's most accessible to our community and, it's, and for our community. So uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. We invite your presence to come. We thank you for this, uh, this part of the body of Christ and uh, all that you're doing in, in our midst. And, but I pray for every single individual person here that whatever we're doing, wherever we are every day, that uh, your kingdom would be known in and through them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Viv and I, we've been praying, we've been dreaming, scheming with God about this particular scheme, a particular season in, in the church. And essentially what, what we feel we've wanted to do, we, we've been thinking about this for about a year, um, what we feel we wanted to do is recover again uh, who we are in Christ, who he is in us. And we're, we're mainly over this next season. Uh, Series, I guess, of, of talks over these next few weeks, months, years, maybe. Um, we want to recover again our identity. Because uh, we believe once we know our, our identity, and we can continue to become who it is that God, is, uh, God says we are, uh, it's our belief that then we can step into our unique destiny. But why are, why are we here on earth? And so... Uh, we're going to be embarking on this new, new season. Um, if, you're, if you're new to church, or uh, if you're just here for the first time, we're just so thrilled and so thankful that you'd, you'd be here. Uh, we understand whether you grew up in a, a religious home, or an atheistic home, or whether you grew up far from faith. Uh, it takes incredible courage to come through these doors for the first time. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your interest in this moment today. Uh, and we recognise that God is here. We recognise that he's able to make himself known to you. Um, it might be that you're part of faith. It might be that you're part of faith. You've been, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. It may just be that God has you here this morning because he wants to awaken something up in you. Uh, actually, I, I truly believe do believe, and I fully declare over us that these next couple of weeks, these next few weeks and months, uh, that as we journey together here, uh, we're gonna, it's going to revolutionise how we see him and how you see yourself. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, we, we're going to be looking at a fantastic uh, portion of scripture. Uh, but as we do that, the biblical text, I just want to sort of start with some sort of foundational truths. Uh, it's our, our belief that the, the biblical text has created power. 
So let's just be aware about what we're going to do. We're about to engage with a text of scripture that uh, we believe has phenomenal power. This isn't like reading some ancient piece of literature from a great philosopher like Plato or Socrates. It's, uh, it's not that here in the, in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul, it's not like we can say, Paul, you know, you wrote some killer letters. Uh, let's read them because they contain some, some good wisdom. How we can live life well. It's way more than that. Uh, in, in another part of Scripture, Paul, the Apostle, he, he wrote to Timothy, who, who was the church leader at, uh, at Ephesus. And he says to, to Timothy, he says that all of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture has power to change. And so one of the things that I love about the Bible is it's timely. Even though it's written thousands of years ago, it's got relevance to us today. Uh, and I believe, it's our belief, isn't it? It's our belief that this book of Ephesians is timely for our church. Uh, it might be many of us who are struggling with our, our identity or our place in the world. Ephesians, we believe, is a key portion of scripture for us here at BBC as we navigate life in 21st century London. So, um, I'm going to do something... Uh, that we've never done before here. I'm going to ask, as I read this scripture, I'm going to ask you to stand. To do something sort of... It's, we're going to engage with the scripture. Yes, we're going to engage. We're going to engage with the scripture. So um, the words are going to come up on the screen. So you might want to close your eyes. But just your whole body. Scripture was meant to be your whole self engaged with the word of God. So I'm going to read uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 1 to 11. So, so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and goodwill, to, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I love that. He lavished on us. With a wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. And it was given to us in love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please take your seats.
So, uh, as we dip our toe into this, uh, into this book of Ephesians, what I want you to notice is that it, uh, it was written by a man called Paul. And uh, it's kind of easy to skip over this and rush into the, the volume of the text. But it's written by someone whose life has been radically changed. There's an irreversible change that's happened in his life. It is written by a man who's no longer a prisoner to his own thoughts, his old way of doing things, to his old identity. He's been captured by this incredible love. He's been captured by astonishing love. This guy who was once alien to God, who was once far away from God, has now discovered fate for himself. Do you remember this Paul? Uh, he, uh, before, before he was called Paul, he was named Saul. And his day job was to kill and persecute Christians. Uh, one of the things to discover is that uh, his name didn't change when he became a believer. God didn't look at Saul, uh, you know, on the road to Damascus. Uh, we've got this incredible story in Acts of... Uh, Saul had literally been blinded, being struck down by, by this God, by this Jesus. He was struck by Jesus. And all around him, he was struck by Jesus. And, and that moment, that incredible moment, Paul's, uh, Saul's life turned around. But God didn't look at Saul and say, do you know what? Your past has been so bad. You've done so many wrong things in your life. You've been in Syria doing things that you shouldn't have been doing. You've been engaging in things. That, that you shouldn't have done. You've killed my people. You've killed my followers. You know what you need, Paul? You need a clean start. What you need is a name change. What you need, Paul, is a, is a name change. At, that, at the moment of salvation, God could have changed his name to kind of wipe it clean, to start again. But Paul's new identity didn't start the moment of his new birth. I don't know if you get that. It didn't, God could have done that. What's interesting to me, as you read, the, as you read about Paul, is that the, his name changed, changed when he first engaged in mission and ministry. It's the first time he stepped out with Barnabas and began talking about the love of God that had captured him. It's the first time when he began sharing God's love with others. That's when God says, hey, your name used to be Paul. Uh, Saul, sorry. But now it's going to be Paul. Um, and so when I talk about this name change, it's symbolism for, for, God, for God's, given, God's new given identity and mission. And so throughout scripture, uh, God renames people to give them a new identity for their present and their future. Remember, we, uh, we read the story about Jesus and he, he changed one of his disciples' names from Simon to Peter uh, in the book of John, verse 1. And so Peter means rock. Jesus wanted to name him based on his future identity. Uh, as you read about Jesus and Peter and their relationship, sometimes Jesus called, Simon, called Peter his old name. He'd call him Simon, um, probably because sometimes... Peter acted like his old self. And so Jesus wanted to remind him, hey, you're just acting like your old self. I've called you by a new name, 
you ought to be called Peter, not Simon. So for ourselves, there are identity-shaping names or phrases that we give ourselves. And what we believe is that God, through the season, is wanting to change the way we see ourselves. The way God sees us originally. See, see God hasn't changed. But some of the names and phrases that we give ourselves, they're not what God says about ourselves. And so we believe that God wants to rename us, if you like, into our God-given identity. And so, uh, maybe here for the first time, maybe the last time, <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to challenge you this morning over some of those names or phrases, the beliefs, the lies that you've had about yourself. Some of the names we give ourselves, we've had for years, uh, decades. Some of us that might have been two, others that might have been a few more. Um, some of, some of the things that we believe in, believe in we, we've been believing them as truths for decades. When actually, in fact, they're, they're lies. Um, I've never known my dad. He's, uh, he's, had his, he's got his own family and his own son. And for years, for decades, I felt as though I was a mistake. I felt as though I should never have been born. And this led me to believe that I was not a son. Uh, not feeling, I became, I became a follower of Jesus from about 18, when was that? 17, 18. And for, for years and years and years, I didn't believe that I was God's son. I didn't believe that I was part of God's family. Uh, not feeling that God was interested in me. Not, God was distant. I felt like God was distant. He, you know, he had all his other brothers, he had all his sons and daughters around him, but I was sort of distant from God. And this brought havoc on my identity. Havoc on my identity. Uh, I spent hundreds of pounds on counselling. Maybe thousands of pounds on counselling. And so it brought havoc on my relationships. Havoc in, in my marriage. Uh, being a father who has never been fathered has meant my kids need a lot of prayer. <laughs> they, they need a lot of prayer. Uh, Abby's giving me a funny look. <laughs> um, and so this whole, this whole subject of identity is real for me. And it's been a really long process for me. Process of healing, process of relearning. What is this truth? What are the lies that I've been believing about myself? Um, and so freedom and getting a more secure identity has come through. And I want to say this with all humility, I guess. It's, it's come, my healing has come through me helping other people. My healing has come through like, like Paul. Through actually just forgetting about, forgetting about navel gazing. Forgetting about that I've not had a dad. Forgetting about my own insecurities. And actually, there's thousands of people out there that are in a worse state than I am. You know, even though my level of, of issues are 10 out of 10, for me, it's 10 out of 10. For other people, they've got other issues to face. 
And I've, I've known that these last, uh, last years, that my, my true identity has come as I've stepped out. And I've just gone, actually, I want to help other people. And so that's, that's a challenge for, for, for all of us here. The irony, the irony, though, is that throughout the years, strangers would come up to me at church, or they've been praying for me, they'd have a sense from God, and the amount of times, dozens and dozens of times, I've had people come up to me and say, Jess, I don't know who you are, but you know, I get a real sense that God just wants to be your father. I get this real sense that he says that you're his son. And there's like, like dozens and dozens of times. I'd hear it over again. God kept continually coming close to me. He kept continually saying the thing that would help my identity. And God wants you to know that he's, he's your father. He's your, he's your father. You're his son. You're his daughter. And so Ephesians 1 is part of my story. When God puts a new name in your life, he's not saying that you can escape your past. He's not saying that he's going to get you out of what held you. Uh, but he does give you a new identity so you can enter into your new future. Paul here needed a new name so that he could enter into his new identity, his new mandate, his new calling, his new adventure. You and I need a new name because God is doing new things in your life. You need a new identity because God has a new inheritance for you, a new mandate for you, a new season for you. And God wants us to get everything that he has. He wants that. He wants to, us to get everything he has. So in order for us to get everything that we have, we need to get some foundational truths about our identity, of who we are, those things that need to change in our life. Uh, Brennan Manning, the brilliant author, he says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is just an illusion. Fantastic. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. So this is Paul, and this is how he describes himself. You can see, we're just on the first couple of verses. First couple of words in Ephesians. This is Paul. This is how he identifies himself. And he's writing to, a, to the church in a city. But he's writing from a, from a prison. And it's basically a hole in the ground. It's a hellhole. A hole in the ground in Rome. Uh, we can't identify uh, ourselves. We can't identify what prison's like then to us now. It, it's very, very, di very, very different to a Western, Western prison. It's nothing like the prisons here in the UK. The space is minuscule, it's filthy, it's dark, it stinks. He doesn't know when he's going to get out. There's no visiting hours. Uh, there's no health care, there's no education suite, there's no chaplaincy, there's no, um, there's no playstations, there's no TVs. There's, it's just this dark hellhole. But even in the midst of this dungeon, in the midst of his circumstance, he wrote these powerful statements. Ephesians are a powerful book to read. If you're stuck to know where to read, if you're stuck to know where do I start, Ephesians is a fantastic book. 
Let me just say, uh, our identity is, um, is not in our joy, not in our happiness. Mm. Our identity is not in our suffering. Our identity is in Christ, whether we have joy or suffering. So who are you? What's your identity? It's a good question. Thanks, Steve. Uh, the, the, the internal and external statements that we say over ourselves end up becoming our identity. Some of the statements are not what God says about you. Some of the names that we call ourselves over time, we've taken on that identity. What does God name us? How does God see us? And how do we see God? Our hope is that we can take on this new identity, take on this new mandate, uh, famous phrase, because once we know who we are, we wouldn't want to be anyone else ever again. So who do you think you are? This question is identity-shaping, life-altering, eternity-affecting. How would you describe yourself to someone, honestly? How would you introduce yourself? How do you perceive yourself? In, in mainstream pop psychology, they, they'll talk a lot about self-esteem. We at BBC, or self-image or self-awareness. Here at BBC, we talk about this, this, this term identity. So how would you answer this question? Who are you? Might be hard. So how would you say, I am? How do you describe yourself? I am. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm young. I'm old. I'm smart. I'm stupid. I'm loved. I'm hated, I'm single, I'm married, I'm not married, I'm divorced, I'm desirable, I'm not desirable, I'm successful, I'm a failure, I have hope, I'm hopeless. Who do you think you are? Just turn to your neighbour and just say, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Can we see? Can we see that who we think you are, who you think you are, alters everything. How you see yourself changes everything. I've got I've got one point. I've got one more point. One point. Say that again. I'm nobody. Um, I've got one point. Two points now. Danny's gone. My second point. I've got one. I've got a one-point sermon. This is it. Your identity is received, not achieved. We don't. We don't achieve it. We don't strive for it. We don't earn it. We can't do anything to obtain this new identity. Your identity is achieved, honestly. Sorry, your identity is not achieved, it's received. It's not something that you do, it's something that God does. It's not what you earn, it's what he gives. I really want you to see that. I've made it one point so I can get you to see that. We receive 
and a new identity. What it does is it frees you up from the performance trap. It frees you up from the competitive trap in London. It frees you up from bitterness and jealousy and coveting that marks our world. It frees you up and it lets you be who God made you to be. You get that? Speaking of that for once. <laughs> And the beauty is we get to rejoice in who God made us. We get to thank God for that he made us. Whereas before, I, I used to think I was a mistake. Before, as I, grew, as I grew up in the Lord, I used to think I shouldn't have been here. I shouldn't have been born. But now I rejoice. I am, don't tell Danny, I am somebody. We are somebody, because God's made us. Every single person here, we are somebody in Christ. And together, we then go out and seek to mirror Him. All we do is we, we reflect Him. Because it's, it's not, Dami's right, it's not about us, it's about Him. What we're going to do is we're going to watch a film. going to watch a little clip uh, from... Um, uh, <laughs> Liv and I were talking about this last night. Uh, she wanted me to say Les Miserables, but uh, I said no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, we're going to watch. We're going to watch a film. Not the not the recent one with the singing Wolverines. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to hopefully see the um, 1998 film starring Liam Nielsen, and he plays Jean Valjean. He's a Frenchman in prison for stealing bread. And he must flee the, the prison officer named Heather. What we're going to do is we're going to watch the we're going to watch the beginning scene where Jean is received and welcomed into a priest's home to stay to stay during the night. Uh, but he's got plans to steal the, the priest's silver. What I want you to do is watch how the priest treats the man who has his identity wrapped up in his past. Uh, God knows who we are. And I'm afraid I know who you are. I've ransomed you. I give you back to God. It gives you gives you a new identity. What we're gonna do, uh, uh, we're gonna pray for the men in the church today. Uh, and so what I want you to do is if you're a man, check us out. Um, and would you come down the front here? Would you come down the front here? And um, uh, we really felt though, just that God wanted to put identity into men, give them new identity. And uh, if you're uh, if you're visiting here, come down, come down. If you're if you're if you're a gentleman, if you're not a gentleman. Uh, come down, we're going we're to pray for these men. So why don't you, why don't you come down face me? Um, and ladies, would you stand up? I'm going to ask to come, Kat and uh, Lauren, come and lead us. Um, so guys, just close, close your eyes.
come in and spray. God is wanting to give us men uh, a new identity. Guys, we, we've not known a, uh, our fathers. We've not known uh, a dad. And so our, our image of uh, God being our father is, um, is skewed. It's, it's not a full picture of his love. And so as, as we sing and as we worship, just give yourself to God. And the picture we have of God is that he's a good God. And he comes close to you. He comes uncomfortably close sometimes. He invades our personal space. 